Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast, not affiliated with any particular 12-step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Ben. I'm an alcoholic and addict. And welcome back to Sober Solutions Podcast. Tonight is episode 36. And I have a great guest with us tonight. It's my friend Troy C. from the Catskills. Troy and I have known each other for years, um, both when we were back out there um, and now uh, that we're both sober. Um, And it's very good to see you, Troy. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's it's very nice to have you here. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I... uh live up in the Western Catskills, uh, relocated here during the pandemic from New York City. Um, have lived in the Northeast for all of my life, uh, bounced from Philly to DC to New York. Um, and uh, pretty early on in the pandemic, uh, came up uh, to a, a weekend house that we had just bought um, that was literally falling down. Um, and we've spent the last uh, 18 months renovating um, and, and bringing it back to its former glory. I uh, have been sober for three years uh, and just over three months. Um, as probably many people, I started uh, drinking uh, alcohol, uh, in high school, uh, not too early. I was in a, a, a middle school drinker, although I, I had a lot of friends that were, um, and drank pretty heavily through college. Um, particularly my senior year when I, while I was living in a fraternity house. Um, uh, and over the course of my twenties, um, going out a lot, uh, at gay bars in Pennsylvania, um, Harrisburg and Philadelphia, um, and just drinking so much uh, to uh, mostly to, I, I think, feel comfortable in my own skin. Um, I certainly wasn't at that time uh, okay uh, with the fact that I was gay, certainly did not love myself um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and um, it was probably in my, in my late 20s um, living in Philly where um, where I think that I, I, I started to, to lose control, um, of, of my drinking. Um, I, I had started drinking every day, um, often, um, alone, um, but, but, uh, always rationalized and had a lot, had a lot of guardrails around it. Um, and so it was like, I'm only going to drink one six pack of beer, right? Um, that is all, that is all I will do on a Tuesday. Um, and maybe on Thursday I can have, I can have seven beers or eight beers. Right. And it was always, it was this game I played with myself to, to try to, to, to rationalize, um, the behavior to keep it kind of in a, in a, in a box. Um, when I, when I left Philadelphia, um, my, uh, boyfriend at the time, now husband, um, we relocated to Washington DC, um, where I would say that, um, I didn't uh, certainly didn't feel like I, I fit uh, anywhere in there. Uh, in, 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 I didn't have a, a community um, in Washington, um, and uh, 
I would say that my drinking really kind of escalated there. I, I moved from wine and beer to liquor, um, vodka mostly, um, and was drinking a lot of vodka. Um, uh, so was starting having in the middle of the day, I would have panic attacks at work. I'd have to leave meetings. Um, um, you know, just what, what I know now was I was, it was going through withdrawal during the day. Um, and, um, but still managed to hold it together and was able to hold down a job, uh, pretty successfully, um, didn't have any, um, professional ramifications that were obvious. Um, and in hindsight, that's probably, um, a crazy statement. Um, I probably would have been much further away along in my career, much more successful, uh, if I hadn't, hadn't been drinking so much. Um, and, uh, I would say that while I was in Washington, um, I, I started to, uh, have some I, idea that I, that I had a little bit of a drinking problem. Um, I, I also was taking, um, uh, anxiety medication. Um, uh, and so I had started mixing, uh, Xanax and Klonopin, um, with alcohol. Um, and, uh, that came from my doctor, my doctor who, who didn't really know that, that I was drinking, um, how I, I was, and I was having these massive anxiety problems, uh, thought that he was doing me a favor. And I would often, I remember I would often use them in the morning, um, to deal with my hangover, um, uh, and the anxiety that, that, that came along with that. Um, <clears throat> After four years or so in DC, we moved to New York, um, which was a really happy trans transition for us. Um, we we didn't enjoy our time in DC, and I remember uh, thinking that you know this is an opportunity for me to new job, um, new environment, new group of friends, and a time to kind of reset. Uh, and uh, and so the rational, the my rational irrational brain. Um, uh, that was to switch from hard alcohol back to wine. Uh, and that's, that's how I was going to, going to, um, get my hands wrapped around this. Um, uh, and so, you know, I started, uh, drinking j just wine. Um, I remember kind of drinking just one big bottle of white wine a night. Uh, and after, uh, a pretty, uh, short period of time, I was drinking a bottle and a half. Uh, and, <clears throat> but new job doing really, really well, um, uh, career wise, um, New York definitely, like I definitely hit my stride there. Um, and I would say about a year, year and a half into New York, um, I started having those same anxiety problems I was having in DC. Um, my drinking was slowly creeping back up, um, and, uh, kind of no matter how many guardrails I would try to put around it every night or every weekend. Um, I, I, I wouldn't seem to be able to kind of stay within those. Um, my husband, um, his father is in recovery. Uh, and so kind of speaks the language, um, and has been incredibly amazingly patient with me. Um, right. He helped me see, um, and create kind of a safe space for me to start to talk about the fact that I could have a problem. Um, and we talked about that for 
probably three years um, as my drinking just got worse and worse and worse. Um, so, you know, I would say that uh, before I went to rehab, um, I was drinking two to three bottles of wine a night um, during the week. Um, and on the weekends, it could be four or five. Um, would always start with a really good bottle of champagne on a Saturday or Sunday morning. Um, and then, and then drink from there. Um, uh, work was going pretty well. Uh, but my anxiety was completely out of control. Um, I, I, there are days when I couldn't successfully ride to work on the subway, uh, where I would have to get off of the subway because I was having a panic attack. Um, and, um, and, and so I knew that at some point soon, I was going to, I was going to have to start to, I was, was going to have to deal with it. Uh, and I just wasn't ready. Um, and so we were, we were planning to go on vacation, um, to Provincetown, Massachusetts. Uh, and I wasn't feeling well at work that day. I was really dizzy. Uh, and so I, I thought maybe I was getting an ear infection. Uh, and so I went to urgent care <clears throat> and my blood pressure was like 170 over something. It was high. Uh, and it just kept kind of creeping up and he's like, you probably should go to the emergency room to get checked out. By the time I got to the emergency room, my blood pressure was 202, um, over, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the bottom number was, um, completely out of control. Um, they thought maybe I was having a stroke or certainly some sort of cardiovascular problem, um, until I disclosed, um, how much I drank every day. Um, and pretty quickly, uh, I, I was laying on a gurney in the hallway uh, of the emergency room. Uh, and mind you, I'm leaving for vacation later in, 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 the, in the day. And that's really all I was worried about was like, you know, I got to get to P-Town. Um, and, the, you know, the, the doctors said, you know, we can admit you right now um, to, uh, to a detox program. <clears throat> like, I'm going on vacation. Like, hey, I, I, I've got a week uh, you know, uh, up on the Cape. Uh, and they, they, I remember they, they gave me a Librium, um, to try to, um, get some of my symptoms under control. And they said, you need to get into treatment as soon as you can. Um, uh, try not to drink any more or any less than you normally do. Uh, and, uh, you know, good luck. Uh, and, <clears throat> and so, I went to P-Town and had a blast for a week, um, knowing that when I left, uh, that I was going to have to uh, seek help. Uh, and I remember my first day in P-Town, um, I sat and I just sobbed, uh, knowing that this was the end of, I always think of like the end of uh, what I thought was an amazing relationship uh, with something that had seen me through, um, kind of the best and the worst of my adult life. Um, and, uh, when I got back, uh, within two or three weeks of being back, I was, um, at, uh, Karen in Pennsylvania, um, uh, and had a, an amazing experience there. So that's kind of, that's, that's, that's my story. Thank you for sharing that with us, Troy. Um, you know, I I didn't know uh, some of that. And, you know, just to see you here now, um, I think that you just crossed 1,200 days. That's three years and three months, right? Um, right. Congratulations. Congratulations on that. Really, really well, well done. 
Um, you know, something that I kept hearing in your story was how you kept and maintained this life at work, how you kept showing up every day, how you, even though you were maybe feeling like shit, you just kept showing up. Um, and so what was that like, you know, trying to manage those two lifestyles? Uh, a lot harder uh, in hindsight than, uh, than it was at the time because it was just what I had to do. Um, you know, I, it, it, but very but it, exhausting, completely exhausting. Um, uh, it was, you know, um, what, what I learned later was that somehow people at work did not know that I had a drinking problem. Um, I, I have absolutely no idea how that's possible. Um, and my husband said I used to smell of wine. Um, uh, and, um, but people didn't know, um, or at least they say they didn't know. I don't know. Um, interestingly, uh, days after I got back now, my, my work was, they were fantastic. They were my, my, our CEO was unbelievably supportive. Um, but I remember one of my, one of our employees walked in the office. He's like, I don't know what you did these last couple of weeks, but I want to go do it because you seem amazing. <laughs> I'm like, no, That's actually, amazing. I don't think you do. Uh, <laughs> but That's so um, funny. But, but thank you. <laughs> so what's it, what's it like now for you? Um, you know, I mean, I know for, you know, all of us here, trying to balance that day to day nine to five and meetings and relationships and the gym, you know, what's, what's your day like today? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think what's been, honestly, what's been really hard for me, um, and particularly during the pandemic is that, so I work in healthcare. Uh, and so I've traveled for a good part of the pandemic, uh, and we have been incredibly busy. Uh, and so, you know, where I found myself in pretty high stress situation, um, working a lot, uh, and alone. Um, and that, um, while at first I thought I was totally fine. Um, and, and I, I think at the beginning I was as cities started to come back to life and be normal again, uh, it got harder and harder for me, um, to use the regular kind of day-to-day -day coping mechanisms that that I had had relied on over the kind of previous two years uh, to continue to stay sober. So um, I know you and I talked a little bit before this. Um, you know what uh, are you currently up to? I know that you uh, have resigned from your position. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that decision? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I did. So I, I you know, I was um, um, a C-suite um, uh, officer of a, a healthcare company who did a ton of uh, COVID work clearly in the last uh, couple of years. And so we we're doing massive, massive COVID testing programs, like statewide programs, big stuff, uh, really, really uh, intense. Um, amazing, by the way, to be kind of uh, part of the solution a little bit, uh, you know, in the last two years, but really stressful, big, big, big team of people grew really fast. Um, and I just didn't have the time to take care of myself. 
Um, I had never, um, the last three or four months, I would even narrow it. The last kind of six or eight weeks of my time there was the closest I had ever gotten to, um, to, um, probably not drinking, but like, boy, like I was in Denver, boy, did I want to walk into a dispensary, uh, and, and get all sorts of fucked up. Um, and you know, really came close a couple times. I'm not going to lie. Like it, like really, really hard, like ordered it online and then didn't go pick it up. You know, I mean like, like that close. Um, and, um, really scary, right? Like laying on that gurney in the hospital and looking around and I was mostly surrounded by other addicts in the middle of the day, uh, at NYU in midtown Manhattan. Um, I was terrified, uh, that I was going to die. Uh, and I had never felt that way before. I, I never, never had that level of kind of intensity about my life. Um, and, uh, to be faced again with a decision where, you know, I may use again and, and, and go down that path was, was scary enough for me to say, uh, that I need to make a change. Um, and so in talking to work, um, it, it kind of made the most sense for me to take, um, to take a step back, uh, and take some time for my own mental and, and physical health. Uh, and that's really what I'm planning to do over the next couple months. Uh, and again, my work, my work's been amazing. Like they're super, they were super supportive and are helping with the transition and they let me keep my health benefits for a couple months and some things like that, that are just incredible. Um, but, uh, really hard decision, uh, for someone who, you know, I've been driven my whole life by career. Um, it's not the most important thing. Um, uh, and if I'm not taking care of myself, there's no way, uh, that, that I can continue that success in the future. That that's amazing. It's actually very inspiring. Um, that's something I think I struggle with is I think I'm at the point that you were at previously where you're career driven, your, uh, status. Well, I'm personally, I wouldn't say status driven, but I want to climb that corporate ladder. And what I do find myself recently is I'm slowly recognizing that I'm putting, um, my recovery to the side a little, you know, I'm not just avoiding it completely, but I'm not doing as much as I was doing or I need to do in the beginning. Um, something that you, you mentioned that I relate to a lot was, you know, showing up to work, doing well, but you know, something that I was doing was, although I was showing up, there was tons of lies. There was tons of stories there. Although I was doing my job, doing it well, you know, there was a lot of times where I'd have to go to a doctor for two hours in the middle of the day. Meanwhile, that was me meeting a dealer or, you know, if I really, whatever, I would show up late and there would be another lie. And, you know, it was just lie after lie. Although I was doing my job and everyone around me didn't know there were all these red flags. Did you find yourself having a lot of those same similar situations where, although you were doing well at work, there was kind of like these red flags. So many lies. Um, it, you know, uh, I, I think that I was late 
all the time. Uh, and I could get away with it because of my, what my, of my, my position, right? Uh, anyone working for me that had, that would be th that consistently late missing meetings, there's no way they would have lasted. Um, uh, you know, I found like I would, I, I remember realizing this while I was in rehab and this is, I, I think this is a form of a, of, of kind of a lie. Uh, uh, like I would have a different wine store that I would stop at on different days of the week so that the people that worked at the wine store didn't know that I was buying that much wine. Like, like, you know, even little things like that, that you, you're, you're telling yourself these stories and telling other people these stories, um, so that they don't catch on. Uh, and it kind of becomes pervasive, right? Like it, there's so many of them that, uh, that I probably still after, you know, three years don't, don't have any concept of just how many there were. Right. I have a lot of that too, where not only do you tell so many lies, eventually you don't know what's the truth. And, you know, you were, you were just talking about it. You talked about it before the rationalization, you know, like I'll only have a six pack on a Tuesday and this and that. And I find myself, I found myself towards the end of my addiction doing that exact thing every day. And the rational, the rationalization just became so overwhelming where at the end I was just like, oh, I'll go to rehab in a year, you know, like <laughs> The, it just became so overwhelming. So I relate to that a lot. <laughs> Troy, the um, man, th this has been, you've been the first guest in, in a little while for me that has just, I mean, you're, you're telling your story and I'm just, I'm nodding along because there's just so much there that the guardrails that were guardrails until they were not guardrails, you know, and, and just, it, it, it really, it, it, one of the things that, that really hit home for me was um, that, that last week, that, that you know, the last week you had there um, and, and you sobbing the first day, realizing like, I, this is it. Like, I, I got to stop. Like, what was the rest of that week like? Was it, was it celebratory in like the, I'm going to go and do what I used to do and have a great week? Was it, was there this almost, you know, funeral wake kind of feeling of saying goodbye to an old friend? You know, what was that last week like for you? Yeah. I, I, I think that first day was very much, a, was very much mourning. Um, I, I think there's no question. That's the only way I know how to describe it. Um, the, the, the rest of the week was, you know, typical, irresponsible drinking, um, and other behavior, um, that, you know, it was like, well, this is kind of my last hurrah. Uh, uh, you know, and I mean, honestly, I didn't go back to P-Town for three years. Uh, I just finally went back this summer. Uh, it was hard to get my head wrapped around being there and not drinking. Uh, and it was actually really hard. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'll go back this coming summer. Uh, really difficult. Uh, too, too much association. Um, uh, but you know, I tried to have fun. We tried to, you know, I, I'm a super, super open person. And so I, you know, I did all, I, I shared all of this with my, with my husband, um, you know, while we were there and he, he kind of saw me fall apart. Um, and 
we just tried to have a good time. I and mean, we had a ton of friends there. And so it was kind of like, let's ignore that for let's, let's, let's go back into denial for four or five days. Um, and, um, and you know, it would be the, the days would be peppered with at lunch. She like, yeah, yeah. Like, what's your plan? What are you thinking? You know, start to try to get some structure around it and kind of get my brain really around what those next steps were going to be. But very clear that those next steps were not happening until I got on that boat and left P-Town. Uh, and, and I needed that, you know, I, I, I needed that time. Um, you know, and, and even when I got back to, to, to New York city, uh, it took me a couple of weeks to find the right program. And I had so much ego about where I was going and what the bed was going to be like. And I mean, all that stuff that like really like didn't matter at all. It was like an excuse not to go to this place and an excuse to put off this. And, you know, it took me about two or three weeks to, 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 you know, I actually had a date to show up and I punted it a week and, you know, it, it, it and then I, you know, I, I, I did it and, and the car ride there was horrific. I mean, I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. Uh, it was, it was just like, Oh my God. Uh, and then honestly, it wasn't that bad. Um, like, like it really wasn't, it was like detox sucked uh and really really badly and then i got to spend weeks like working on myself and talking about myself and like honestly i like if it wasn't so expensive i would go back like i mean i could i i, I could use a couple weeks there to like dig into some stuff um it, so it, it it wasn't as scary as i thought like i was terrified about what the experience of detox and rehab was going to be. I was convinced that I was going to die in detox. I was convinced. Um, like that is the story that had gotten into my head. Like if you stop drinking, you are going to die. So you have to keep drinking. Um, and getting through that and, and I mean, realizing that actually like this was a fantastic experience. Uh, I wouldn't say it was, it was, it was fun necessarily, but it was, it was, it was amazing with amazing people. Um, and there aren't very many times in our lives where we have an opportunity to just focus on ourselves. Right. Um, and I wish that I wish I had been a little bit more aware of that during rehab. I think I would have taken advantage of it even more than I did. Um, cause it was really, uh, really, a, uh, for me, it was a wonderful experience. Yeah, I I identify so much with that experience. I mean, one the car ride driving down uh, to, to the place, we, it, my it was me, my father, and, and my my then wife at the time, and just it was just you know it's just two and a half hours, just oh, it was terrible. Convinced that like oh, it was gonna be the worst thing in the world, and and I and I it's funny you say the way you said it because I I say it now, like I'm not telling people to catch a habit. But if you could find your way into rehab, it's not the worst. There's, listen, it's better than the alternative, you know. And and it's, and Karen is actually my sponsor. Actually, just got back from uh, he he did what, a, a, a week long um, retreat, um, you know, for the you know the not not detox related, but just that that extra work. And like, like you said, it's it's not cheap, but you know. It is those. Those are the experiences that I wish. It's kind of like high school. I wish I could go back. I wish I knew now, or you know, knew then what I knew now. Go back to rehab, 
you know, an ACID. But, but, you know, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned traveling and being in Denver and really coming close and, you know, being, you know, making that commitment, you know, in terms of buying it online and then just not going, not, not exercising that part of your will, you know, how do you stop that? Um, so I, I mean, I think that, you know, what, one of the things that I learned in rehab was like, you, you, you just have to wait long enough and that desire goes away. Um, you kind of get control of it again. Um, and that was, I remember really hard when I first left rehab, right? I was going to, um, you know, one or two meetings a day, at least, um, you know, it, it was, I had to kind of fill my time so that those thoughts didn't have room, um, in my day. And as I've gotten further away from that, um, I, I think that, I mean, I think in some ways, I think I got, I, I just got really comfortable. Uh, and then all of a sudden I was like out on my own in a city, super stressed and started, I mean, it's like classic, like fall, like, like total relapse behavior, right? Like falling back on those old crutches and, you know, just, you know, I, I remember talking to my husband um, about it and I'm like, well, you like, like if you go online and you read, like some people say you can smoke weed if you, you know, like, and he's like, he's like, why are you doing it? And I'm like, well, I'm doing it so that I can be completely numb to the world. He's like, that's the problem, right? Like, he's like, it's like, you know, he's like, don't do anything uh, for that reason, right? Like, like that, that's, uh, and, and so I think it was just pausing long enough that the desire passed and my rational brain took over again. I, I kind of want to piggyback on that question. Uh, you mentioned a bunch of times having extreme anxiety and even some panic attacks and you coped, you coped with it at the time with medication or drinking. Uh, what do you do now to get through those times of uh, anxiety or high stress? Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, one, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on a regular medication that helps a lot. Um, and so I think that that's, that's valuable for people. Um, you know, I don't love taking medication, period, but, um, but it's, it's been incredible for me. Uh, and so I think that like my doctor said, like, you know, like if, if, if everyone else's baseline is, is at a, at a two and yours is always at a five, you know, when that one thing happens, it's going to push you up. And so let's use this medication to get you down to a two where everyone else is. And so that's been really helpful for me. Um, and then, um, without a doubt, um, for me, meditation is incredible. Um, when I am not using that as a daily practice, uh, which I wasn't doing for those months, uh, traveling, I had fallen out of that. I had fallen out of my, some of those morning or evening routines that, 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 uh, allowed me, um, to kind of exercise that, that rational part of my brain. Um, that's, that's incredibly, um, um, helpful. And, and then I think that like just, you know, some of the lessons you learn in, um, in recovery, you know, is it's just like perspective, 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 right? Like, um, you know, and that, 
that is always really, really helpful for me just to try to ground myself and, and, and remind myself that what's happening uh, in the moment um, may be stressful. Um, I am having a physical reaction to that stress. Um, the world is not ending. Um, uh, and, you know, you take a walk, you take a break, you, you know, like I working from home, I took a lot of naps in the middle of the day. Like, I mean, I totally, um, you know, I just kind of did what I had to do. Um, and so I think, I, I think that's helpful. Um, I, I use humor, uh, uh, to that's probably my primary coping mechanism. A lot of sarcasm. Uh, I always recommend people turn up the sarcasm dial. Uh, uh, you fit, you fit so right I, into this group. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of us use that. <laughs> yeah. So. Awesome. Um, so Troy, you know, my last question for you tonight is um, what's one piece of advice that you would give the newcomer? You know, this podcast is really focused around people who are early on in their, in their recovery journey. So if there was one thing that you could share with them as they start their journey, um, or maybe it's even for an old timer who needs to hear it again, what would that be? That's a hard question. Um, I think that, you know, from, from my perspective, I think that what, what I would have wanted to hear, um, uh, it, that it's not going to be as hard as you think it is. Um, you know, I, I, not that it's not going to be really fucking hard. Um, but at least the way my mind works, I, I, I just, I always thought the worst case scenario. And I, I, I think part of that was probably as a way to help me to rationalize, continue, continuing to drink. Um, uh, but it's, it's, it's much easier, um, than, than, than you think it's going to be. And there is an incredible community um, around sobriety out there. I, I, I run into people all the time just in the course of my daily life. Um, you know, I think we're also kind of in an interesting time in that I feel like for the first time in my lifetime, uh, the last couple of years, um, sobriety is um, far more accepted than it's ever been. Um, some would describe, I think kids, some kids think it's cool, uh, which, um, I probably sound like I'm in my forties, just saying it that way. Um, <laughs> um, and, and so that's helpful. Uh, I think there's lots of, for me, some of the kind of non-alcoholic, good non-alcoholic products out there have actually been really helpful. Um, so like I can make a good mocktail, uh, and feel like I'm hanging out with people and having a good time and like that's all great and cool. And so that like, that's been helpful for me in social situations. Um, and so I think we're kind of in a, in, in a, we're in an amazing time for someone who wants to, wants to kind of follow this path of, of, of recovery. There are so many resources out there and so many people uh, that are willing to help. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Troy, thank you so much for spending time with us tonight. It was really great seeing you and to hear more about your story. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Well, you have a Thanks. wonderful night. All right. You too. Thanks. Thanks, Troy. Well, I mean, I got to learn a little bit about Troy today. You know, I've, I've always seen him as that consummate professional 
Um, you know, and to hear him kind of take some of that into his recovery program, you know, and, and how he has had guardrails up in his addiction. And now he has these sober guardrails up in his recovery um, is just something that, you know, I, I've always looked for in, in my own life. And I've always looked up to him. I don't know if I've told him that enough, um, but he's just been such an inspiration to me. Yeah, the, um, he, there was so much in there that, that I really just gravitated towards, you know, and two, two of the things that he really, you know, that, that really hit home for me. One, one was, you know, this, this idea now that being sober is kind of cool, that it's not as scary, I think, as, you know, maybe I made it out to be beforehand, you know, and I know that's the disease, you know, telling me I don't, I, you know, I, I, I can still do this and, and, and just keep coming back for more punishment, but I, I just couldn't, I really, I just, I couldn't keep coming back. And, and it, it's just, it's, it's great to see. Um, it's, it's great to see. I, I just, I just love episodes like this where you know, we get somebody where you feel like you're hearing a big chunk of your story and, and, and it's, it just makes you feel like, Oh, okay. Like, Hey, yeah. Right. I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And I like how he talked about, perspective, you know, he said perspective, 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 and, you know, that it's a physical reaction and that the world isn't falling apart because we can get so intertwined in thinking that, you know, everything's wrong and, you know, it, the world is falling apart when in reality, if we take a breath, you know, stay present and just wait a minute and take a deep, you know, it, it'll, it'll be okay. And it always has been okay because we're still here. Yeah. The the other thing that I really latched on to was, I guess this is a little, a little bit of jealousy on my part, but how he kept it together in his work life. I was getting fired. I was quitting before I got fired. I mean, I was just unraveled all over the place. And to hear him still have that internal struggle while looking okay on the outside. I mean, he said, you know, his colleagues had no idea. And part of me thinks that they had no idea, but they really did. But because he was a C-suite, you know, executive, they didn't really say much to him. Um, but I just I just could not keep it to, together. You know, fast forward with 16 months of sobriety, and I have normal conversations with my vice president, with my chief medical officer. I just started hiring a team. People trust me to go to meetings. I mean, it's such a different feeling. However, I still have that sense of being a fraud. Like I still have that sense of when's the other shoe going to drop? You know, that, that syndrome of being found out, um, which I'm working on. Um, and, and it's a journey, you know, every single day, but, um, you know, just to be able to have that ability to struggle internally, keep it together in, in some sense, um, all the way to him now resigning from this position to put his well-being first. I, I think that's so admirable. I think that's well, is, so admirable. Isn't that the thing, though, like, like that we do? Like, maybe this just isn't as hard as we make it out to be. 
And like, so what we're doing is like, we're waiting for like, wait, when's the really hard part going to happen? Like, dude, boys, we were like, we were in the thick of it for two, three weeks, you know, down in South Jersey. Like that was some really hard shit. Like, like, and, and it's funny like, you know, we're, we're, you know, year, year and a half, getting towards a year and a half sobriety. And we're like, but when's it going to get, when, when's going to the really hard part coming? Like, no, no, no. We, we already went through that part. Like relax. It doesn't have to be harder than, than you thought. But the other thing that he said that, that really resonated with me was mourning the loss of, of drinking. I mean, that really, for me, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons that I've been able to kind of stay so steadfast in, you know, in my recovery, obviously, you know, doing all, all the things that are, all the suggestions and everything. But for me internally, I've never truly struggled with reservations because I went through a grieving process. I went, I, I, I lost someone, I, I lost alcohol and, you know, it, it for me it, it's really no different than losing a loved one or losing you know, a grandparent or you know those are tangible things that I've lost and you know they're not coming back and there's nothing I can do and you know for me I went through a legitimate grieving process because like he said it was the thing that got me through the goods and the bads it was there for me every single time I needed it and I could always depend on it. And so to go through that process and not and to not view it anymore, to not to not drive past the liquor store and go, you have the answer to all my problems. You know, that's it's such a I can't explain why it happened, you know, and, and thankfully I don't need to explain it. But, you know, having gone through that and, and it, again, going through that mourning period is it, it was a real struggle at the, at the time. And and I'm and it's you know, that's one of those things that when you, you talk to normal folks, they don't get it. They're like. Dude, what's your problem? Like, why are you married to this thing? Because I was married to it. It's because I was legitimately married to it. Yeah, to hit it home one more time, kind of reiterate what Jason said, and essentially Troy is he actually quit his, you know, thriving career because he felt like his mental well being uh, wasn't up to par. Like, that is so inspiring to me. And all three of us, I don't think are at that point. I, I really don't think that, I mean, I'll speak for me. I'm not, but just knowing you two as well and like how important, I guess at this stage, all of our careers are like, I don't know if I could do that, but it is definitely inspiring. And I'm very happy that he told his story because like you said, we were focusing on the newcomer and our sobriety is the most important thing. 100%, 100%. Well, I think that's a wrap tonight, guys. Thank you so much for your time. And as always, each and every one of our episodes is dedicated to the still sick and suffering alcoholic and addict, especially the individual who's going to pick up for the first time tonight. Have a great night, guys. Have a good night. Have a great night. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, Feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to SoberSolutionsPodcast at gmail.com. 
Find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.